This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Nebraska U.S. Representative Adrian Smith. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by EDGE, the dairy farmer cooperative that gives milk a voice. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Congressman Adrian Smith next. EDGE is the dairy farmer cooperative that gives milk a voice. EDGE gives every dairy farmer a progressive voice in matters critical to their business and the dairy community. EDGE provides leading-edge member representation and addresses farmers' diverse needs and challenges. EDGE is an energetic, forward-thinking organization representing all farmers equally, recognizing both the differences and similarities in farms, regardless of size, business goals, geography, and ownership. Now more than ever, dairy farmers need to be heard. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. With much wrangling by GOP leadership in the House and the Senate, the nation is now poised to see significant change in U.S. tax laws. As a member of the powerful Ways and Means Committee, Nebraska 3rd District Representative Adrian Smith sees economic benefit beyond the burden of an increase in the national debt. When you look at the economic outlook, I know agriculture has really had some challenges economically. Uh, and, and when we look even more across the economy, I think we've had lost opportunity for economic growth over the last several years. I think reducing regulations has been good over the last few months, and the numbers have shown that. But I really believe that even with some positive numbers recently, there is still a far more capacity for growth if we do the right policies out of Washington here. Uh, rather than just the status quo from the previous administration of more regulations and more heavy-handed approaches. I mean, you look at health care and what that's done uh, to ag producers in Nebraska. I mean, I hear from farmers and ranchers who are who are facing thirty and $40,000 out of pocket before any uh, health claim benefit would be paid. That's not what was promised. I think it's counterproductive economically, and certainly uh, we can do better with that starting with tax reform and simplifying our tax code for a huge majority of tax filers being able to file their taxes on a a postcard. In business, we talk about return on investment. So here's the question. Do you fear raising the nation's debt to accomplish these tax breaks? Will the benefits outweigh the cost? You know, that's a... A concern that I always have is, you know, what what are we doing? Are our policies out of Washington uh, that uh, might be contributing to the debt are are they worth it? Uh, now, or, or you know, what are the what are the real numbers? And and I think when you really drill down and and look at the problems facing our economy and our budget, uh, I, I have to say that I I believe uh, our our economy, the American people. Uh, have been overtaxed or at least facing a tax code that's so complicated and convoluted that it makes compliance in and of itself expensive. But long term, I think growing our economy and by simplifying our tax code is, I think, the best way to do that. Growing our economy will do more to address our debt than pretty much anything else. Now, we need to uh, address spending at the same time. You know, as our economy starts to take off, we need to hold the line on spending. And 
uh, that that can be a, a very productive way of, of addressing uh, the deficit and, and the debt. Concentrating on the House plan that came through the Ways and Means and then was approved by the full chamber, do you see winners and losers in that plan? Well, as complicated as our tax code has been, uh, there have been folks who have found ways to benefit, uh, and, and I can't fault them for that. That's all above board and and, and certainly a, a viable alternative for them. Now, when we, when we pull back some of those benefits, some of those special provisions in the tax code, if that's all you look at, it would seem that people will be losing some benefits. But when you look at the overall reduction in rates, for example, and other simplification, uh, look at expensing. You know, the expensing provisions are not only great for agriculture, but great for for the economy as a whole. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that property tax, for example, I, I worked hard to to encourage my Ways and Means colleagues uh, to really have property tax uh, as, as you know to maintain that as a business expense, and because uh, other business expenses are are uh, deductible, so this would be as well. Uh, not every single expense, but uh, by and large, the expensing provision uh, for businesses, uh, and certainly including agriculture. That is a major emphasis of the tax bill, and I think that's what will be most stimulative to the economy, but also something that empowers taxpayers to invest and and to grow. And with that, I think, comes higher wages and more job opportunities across the country. Congressman, what of your constituents of the 3rd District, both of rural and of urban, what have they said that are priorities for them in tax reform? Well, the expensing provision, I think, you know, the the uh, Section 179 uh, provision that's been in place for some time, that has been productive. But when we, you know, kick it up several notches uh, with, with full expensing provisions, uh, that, uh, I, I think, has has been viewed by many in agriculture as very positive. But I'll tell you what, I, I think probably the most uh, often talked about is the full repeal of the death tax. You know, it, it, we've, we had a very interesting debate in our committee markup, and there's just a difference in philosophy. Now, some in Congress uh, would say that the fewer people who pay taxes, but larger amounts, uh, that, that that's good policy. Well, I, I think we have to look at tax policy with a broader view than that, I think. And especially when you look at the death tax, that's a double tax. I mean, a... Death as an as an event should not be a taxable event. Uh, my colleague Christy Nome in South Dakota has has shared her story, a very compelling story of of uh, certainly the untimely death of her father, and she and her siblings had to take out a loan to maintain the family agriculture operation. That's not what America should be about. That's not what our tax policy and our tax code should be about. So that's why uh, on the House side we. Uh, maintain that uh, the best kind of uh, tax policy uh, should not include a double tax, such as uh, the death tax. Some of the commodity groups have offered their concerns and their uh, hopes for this policy, and one of those is to see farms and ranches on a parallel plane. Uh, Does the House plan delineate? Well, uh, there are some differences, and we worked very hard to keep treatment, uh, say, between uh, subchapter S and, and C corps uh, as consistent as possible. But keep in mind, there there will be the option, you know, uh, 
for various entities to elect uh, to form under uh, either side there. So, uh, but in terms of small businesses, I'm I'm really glad you know whether it's the Farm Bureau, whether it's the the National Federation of Independent Businesses (NFIB), uh, they are on board for supporting uh, the the House bill, and, and I think we we've had a very good discussion uh, across the spectrum uh, of how you know well number one how terrible our current tax code is, but more importantly where we need to go, how we need to get there. Uh, so that we can encourage investment regardless of the size of business. Uh, but certainly there are provisions uh, in, our, in our proposal uh, that uh, treat uh, smaller operations uh, very favorably uh, and, and to try to compensate for some of those, those things, uh, those numbers we weren't able to have exactly the same uh, across the tax code. The domestic production and activities deduction, that's Section 199, it looks as though that co-ops would lose their exemption. Any way to bring that back, or is that gone? We are working on that. I want to be sensitive uh, to uh, various uh, concerns that uh, some folks might be having. So we are working on that. Uh, you know, we do need to point out where you know some of the, the same entities can benefit from other parts of, of tax reform. But certainly, we want this to be a net positive for them. And and so uh, we are continuing to work on that provision. Congressman, now with the Senate plan in hand, what do you expect from leadership toward the conference committee, and how do you see that debate of melding the two bills? Well, this, uh, I have to say, is, is a somewhat unique circumstance uh, given uh, the last few years. Uh, I don't think we've seen a, a conference committee of this significant for, I would say, too long. Uh, but uh, this is this is how the process works. We should utilize this opportunity in this process more often, uh, rather than just you know feeling like we're we are uh, tied to either the House version or the Senate version. Now, certainly, I'm I'm biased in favor of the House version because uh, because um, I've spent a lot of time working on this. Uh, but uh, I'm anxious uh, to see this process work itself out. Uh, but just getting to this point, uh, I think, it is uh, historic in in proportion, and I'm anxious uh, to see things move forward. Is there any particular area of the House plan that, for you, is off the table that would lose your vote? Well, uh, it, it's, uh, I often get asked this question of, you know, what particular provision is there? But we need to look at everything in the broad perspective. Because if all we do is look at one provision at a time, we're not going to get anything done. Because if I say, well, by golly, certain uh, deduction is so important, well, that almost Im- that could imply that, uh, well, it's even more important the higher the rate is. Well, let, let's not get into that. Uh, let, let's focus on the big picture here of how we can simplify the tax code so we can grow our economy, encourage investment, uh, so that businesses will be hiring and, and paying higher wages uh, because uh, of a growing economy. I have been told that in the part of tax reform and the repatriation of funds that would come back to the U.S., a portion of those could be directed toward infrastructure investment. Is that a possibility or a far-fetched dream? Well, that that has been uh, viewed uh, less feasibly uh, uh, lately. Uh, just because we're we're trying to keep this uh, in terms of of the tax policy of being able to have it fit into the budget process, 
But make no mistake, I mean, infrastructure is an important topic that, that we need to be taking up in a relatively uh, quick manner. In a big-picture question, uh, a few weeks ago, we had Illinois Representative Sherry Bustos on the program, and she's been charged by the Democratic Party to try to help their party reach out to rural voters. In retrospect, what do you feel the GOP needs to accomplish to maintain its leadership? Well, you know, I consider this the marketplace of ideas. Anything we do, we have to, number one, get the votes in the House for, but more than that, we need the American people uh, to support. And, you know, that that's one thing that, that the health care situation, that, that was really kind of forced on the American people in a way that, it was, it's just proven to be so cumbersome and empty promises or promises that weren't kept and, or some math that just didn't work out according to the, to the uh, CBO. But, uh, you know, Obamacare uh, has, has really hurt millions of Americans. And so, you know, I would hope that whatever we do coming out of Congress, it, it empowers individuals, whether they live inside city limits or outside, or a more populated area, or a less populated area. Certainly, I represent a constituency uh, that is spread out over 75 counties uh, across Nebraska's 93 counties. And sometimes they uh, might view things differently than someone who rides the the subway to work every day in, in a large city. But America is a big country, and that's what gives us strength, is that we can have various perspectives, and, and and really look at the, the philosophies behind policies. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm the small government guy. I, I prefer the government get out of the way. In fact, I, I remind my colleagues that the most frequent or most common request among constituents across rural Nebraska is to be left alone when it relates to the federal government. And and that, that's pretty consistent. And so looking at that and, and moving forward, though, if we focus on opportunity uh, rather than the cumbersome guarantee, so-called guarantee of a certain outcome, I think we will all be better off. U.S. Chamber of Commerce reporting that 87,000 jobs at risk in Nebraska if the U.S. withdraws from NAFTA, 42% of your exports worth about $2.6 billion. How do you see the Trump trade agenda and some of the comments about withdrawing from this accord and others? Well, NAFTA is important. Trade is important. We cannot take that for granted. Sometimes I think we, we take trade for granted. And when I say we, I mean across the country. Uh, U.S. agriculture is very efficient, and we should celebrate that. And sometimes I, I think we might take that for granted, and, and especially when uh, efficient producers uh, sometimes become victims of their own success. Uh, but uh, trade can really fill in so many gaps there uh, that can uh, bring prosperity to American agriculture uh, and other sectors of the economy as well. But I, I can't say enough how important trade is, and I'm communicating this uh, to to the White House as well. And uh, the numbers speak for themselves. Now, you know, I think there there's probably an opportunity to improve or modernize NAFTA. Let's Let's uh, maybe look at that, but let's not undermine the successes that NAFTA and, and some other trade agreements uh, have have brought to our country. Does Congress need to step in at some point? Well, the, the trade 
process, you know, whether it, it's a new trade agreement or updating a, a previous trade agreement, Congress uh, needs to be involved. That That's part of the uh, TPA, the Trade Promotion Authority, uh, uh, that we have passed previously. Uh, we, we shouldn't just leave all of this up to uh, the executive branch. Now, the executive branch is tasked with uh, specific negotiations, uh, but uh, they, they still have to bring that uh, to a vote of Congress. In the House, Chairman Conaway and the Senate, Chairman Roberts have both expressed about approving a new farm bill on time. Do you see adequate funds for the program, and can it come soon enough for your Nebraska farmers and ranchers? I'm encouraged that uh, there is so much interest to get this done on time. I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, last time we did it, what, a year late and then had exactly nothing to show for it. Uh, so I, I think learning from history, I'm, I'm hoping that we can move this forward and get uh, get things done budgetarily uh, to, to pave the way. Does the challenging farm economy that we see create an urgency to see this done? Yes, I, I do believe that uh, the, the challenging agriculture economy does speak to uh, how and why we need a farm bill. I, you know, speaking to producers themselves, when they communicate to me how important crop insurance is, for example, boy, that, that is a sound policy that uh, prevents the need for ad hoc uh, disaster payments and kind of the politics that get ensnarled uh, along the way. Uh, but other provisions as well, I, I think we can point to some successful uh, things, but crop insurance is certainly the, or probably the priority uh, that I that I hear from producers, and and I, I think it's a reasonable reasonable request moving forward. Congressman Senator Ted Cruz has a hold on Bill Northey's nomination. He's demanding uh, amendments to the RFS in the RENS program. From where you sit and in your state, does the RFS need to be amended? I don't think so. You know, this is a policy that has been in place that a lot of business plans have been operating under. Uh, I would hope that the Congress doesn't uh, get in the business of constantly uh, moving the goalpost. Um, now, I've introduced a bill uh, that would uh, allow the sale of, of E15 year-round. Uh, I, I find no scientific reason uh, that we should, uh, that the EPA, that is, uh, should ban the sale of E15 during the summer months. Uh, I, I think that uh, allowing the sale of E15, it's, it's not even a mandate, but simply allowing the sale of E15 uh, can address some of the concerns that some of my colleagues may have about the RINs. Uh, but more than that, I, I would say we can provide consumers with more choices by allowing the sale of E15 year-round. Congressman Smith, we want to thank you very much for being with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and, sir, you have the last word. Well, I am grateful to have this exchange here in, in this discussion. Uh, the topics we have been uh, discussing, whether it's tax reform, whether it's farm policy, whether it's trade policy, we, we've got some big issues pending right now, and so I'm, I'm anxious. I'm always uh, anxious to, to hear from producers themselves. That's why it's so important to uh, 
uh, go visit them where they are across uh, rural Nebraska. Sometimes I might even get to see some producers uh, in some other states as well. But gosh, even amidst our struggles, whether it's the ag economy uh, or struggles that our country faces in general, we're still the greatest country in the world with more opportunity than anywhere else in the world. We should celebrate that and we should also build on that. Our thanks to Nebraska U.S. Representative Adrian Smith, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by EDGE, the national dairy farmer cooperative that gives milk a voice. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nelly.